Just how good can this tight end room be this year for Arkansas? Let's talk about that. Welcome into episode 39 of the Woopig Weekly Podcast in the Home Field Studio, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. Episode 39 is brought to you by Home Field. Home Field is home of premium vintage collegiate apparel, and you can use promo code Variety Sports in all caps to receive 15% off your first order. And I'll tell you, they've got some primetime vintage Arkansas gear. You know, we've had plenty of time to check it out as they're one of our newest sponsors here. You know, go check them out. They've got some really cool stuff, um, especially tailored to the University in Arkansas with some classic logos and things of that nature. So they're really good. You know, go use that promo code, get you 15% off your order. You know, help help support the podcast, help us, help us help you. So, you know, that that's what we're all about here. So, you know, we'll start off here as it's a yet another somber day here in Razorback Nation. As earlier this week, the news came out, former Arkansas running back Alex Collins passed away earlier this week due to a motorcycle accident down in Florida, where he's from, where he was living currently. And, you know, you hate to see it. It's not been a great summer for former Arkansas players slash commits, you know, with Ryan Mallett earlier this summer, as well as Chris Smith and then. Deion Stutes, the recruit that was expected to come in in next year's class, you know, you you hate to see guys kind of in their prime of their life, you know, you know, get that taken away. I can remember just, you know, Alex Collins was in my freshman class. You know, I was, we were in, came in the same year, you know, hung out with him a little bit freshman year. Um, and it, it's just crazy. So, you know, wh- what's your thoughts here, Seth? Well, it's just a sad situation. Thoughts and prayers to his whole family, his his friends, teammates, former teammates. I mean, I I know uh, he had made a lot of connections connections across the NFL. Obviously, had big connections at the university. I know university brought him back anytime they could to come hang out during games, things of that nature. It's just he was such a nice guy. Um, it's it's just horrible, man. Just some of the good ones always go too soon. It seems like. But uh, he he was so fun to watch when he played. I know there's been a lot of highlights going around just kind of in memory of him. And obviously that fourth and 25 play is one of the most memorable. It's just such a cool play to remember. And I think there's going to be even more people uh, kind of putting an asterisk, asterisk next to that play as their favorite play of all time kind of thing, things like that, especially when we play Ole Miss. That always gets brought up. I think there's going to be even more uh, – weight to that play now that people remember it for and think things like that so it's just such a sad situation it's been a really kind of a rough year honestly for uh, hog fans and for hog fans uh hog players families i guess i should say um it's just it's always sad to see like you said players go way too early um losing people in their primes prime time of their life think things like that it's just horrible man yeah, that, that that's crazy. And, you know, I saw an article yesterday that was talking about, you know, just like you mentioned, such a great person, you know, I don't remember which season of his it was specifically, but, you know, if you remember, you know, when he had scored touchdowns and whatnot, he'd hold up the double peace signs, you know, it, I didn't realize that until I read an article that he actually did that in honor of uh, Raleigh Williams, who, you know, got injured and he, he was doing that to honor him. So, you know, just I think a great loss for not only Razorback Nation, but for his family, for, you know, just everybody to see a young athlete, young player, you know, cut down in his prime. So, 
you know, like Seth said, our thoughts and prayers are going towards his family and, you know, hopefully they can, you know, get through this and, you know, be able to learn to cope with the loss that they just suffered and everything. So, and so we'll try to continue on here with our preseason award watch list updates. So, you know, with all the talented players Arkansas has on its roster this year, the award watch lists, nominees and whatnot keep rolling in. So KJ Jefferson has picked up another award watch list and now he is on the Manning award watch list with, you know, that name tells you, tells you all you need to know for that is that's the award given to the nation's best quarterback. So, I mean, I think that's easy to believe for all Arkansas fans. I mean, I'm not shocked at all. You know, I think he's been a guy that's been very underrated the past few years just because in a sense of he plays for Arkansas, not, you know, not saying anything against Arkansas, but if he was at a bigger, maybe more primetime program, he'd get more recognition for what he does. But hopefully this year, you know, it's the year he can kind of break out in a sense and, you know, show everybody what Arkansas is about with the help of Rocket, who has some additional watch lists as well. So he's picked up the Walter Camp Award watch list, which goes to the Collegiate Football Player of the Year, and the Doak Walker Award watch list, which goes to the nation's best running back. You know, that the Doak Walker Award is, you know, a very familiar award for Arkansas fans as, you know, several running backs throughout the past have been on that list you know, a few have won it. So, you know, Rockets in some good company there. And then you got Chris Paul Jr., our sophomore linebacker that, you know, is primed to take a next step in his career this year with Arkansas as being one of the starters and leaders on that defense. He has been nominated for the Butkus Award, which goes to the best linebacker in the country. And then not necessarily an award list, but you can't forget to talk about Isaac Tesla, who has been named to Bruce Feldman's 2023 college freaks list, which I think that tells you enough there what kind of hype he's getting going into the season. So, you know, give us your take on, you know, all these new award watch lists that Arkansas players have been named on. Yeah, man, I think uh, obviously KJ getting named to the Manning Award watch list is a no-brainer. Um, it's a very similar award to the O'Brien. So uh, I'm not surprised to see him on both those lists at all. Um, and then seeing Rocket getting added to the Doak Walker makes a lot of sense. I'm not really surprised about that either. The Walter Camp Award watch list for him, that one's not necessarily a surprise, but definitely a, a big honor because that is a, a very prestigious award. Um, there's more that goes into that than than just uh, your performance on the field even. So having him named to that that award watch list is really, really cool. And then, you know, to your point, somebody we hadn't mentioned in the past around some of the award watches is Chris Paul Jr. And he's somebody that I really am excited to see kind of step up. I, I think he is uh, going to be that kind of on-field general for us this year. There's a couple of the guys that I think will kind of share that load with him, but I expect him to be one of the main guys kind of leading the defense, getting guys into position, you know, kind of those linebacker duties that we've had filled over the years between bumper pool, uh, Graham Morgan obviously comes to mind. So I, I, I look, look at him to really kind of fill that role. And so I'm not surprised to see him on that list at all either. And he, he had some outstanding highlights last year. I mean, he, he was really, really flying to the ball, especially late in the year. He was really kind of clicking on all cylinders. I think he understood the the defensive scheme and he was getting 
progressively better at reading offenses and being able to predict where the offenses were about to go. He just it seemed like he got to where he was right there with Drew Sanders on all those plays, always in the right time at the right or right place at the right time. So really excited to see him on that watch list and really excited to see him play this year. And then, like you said, Isaac Tesla, man, if if any of you guys our listeners are active on social media, then you're going to see some of his highlights in and out of camp. He's uh, it doesn't make sense. Some of the catches he's able to make. I think there's a lot to be said for his catch radius is going to make him a huge target for KJ just with the trust factor that you get it close to him. He's going to be able to get that ball, no matter, you know, if you're a little behind target or a little ahead of him, he's going to find a way to catch up to it and uh, make that play. So he's, he's already kind of turning heads just from fall camp highlights and things of that nature. And so it's exciting to, to have some guys like that, that are already kind of making waves as they say. That's very true. And, you know, talking about our wide receivers, you know, we had our breakdown last week, you know, where we went through, talked about we have a lot of depth where, you know, you hate to see it early already, but Arkansas has already taken a small dent in its depth as, you know, last Saturday, the Arkansas had their first scrimmage where unfortunately Sam Mbake took a hard hit during the scrimmage and it was announced a couple of days later that he's going to be out for the season due to a knee injury. There's no specifics on what exactly with his knee. I mean, you can assume all you want, but, you know, we're not going to put anything out there that we don't know is true. And so, you know, that hurts because, you know, early, you know, I think after that scrimmage, Pittman said Sam Mbake was a guy that he expected to be on the field a lot, played 90 miles an hour fast, really improved every aspect of his game, according to Pittman. So you hate to see that happen to a guy that was expected to be a key core contributor to this team. But like we mentioned last week, we've got a ton of depth there at wide receiver. So, you know, you've got to go that next man up mentality and wish for the best recovery out of Sam. Yeah, no doubt about that. I hate that for him. Um, Hope he gets well soon. I know knee injuries, it's always kind of a a question mark is if if they're going to be able to come back at 100% what they were beforehand. So, Hope everything turns out well. I know medical science has come a long way, and a lot of these guys are able to bounce back from those injuries, no problem. So wish him the best in his recovery. Very true. And so now we'll jump over to our position group breakdown of the week this week, where we will talk about our tight ends, which this is another group similar to our wide receivers that is a little bit of an unknown, but I think could be really good for Arkansas this year, especially with the return of Danny Nose, who, you know, likes his tight end, you know, you know, the play. Seth just talked about that fourth and 25, you know, one of the best tight ends Arkansas has had in a long time, Hunter Henry. Well, you know what? He was here when, guess who, Dan Enos was our offensive coordinator. So I think that just kind of gives you signs of what to expect out of this tight end room, not only from a play calling perspective, but from a talent perspective. You know, several coaches have been high on, you know, several of these players coming in in this first few weeks of fall camp. And so we'll jump right in here with your one really returning guy that played a little bit for Arkansas last year in redshirt freshman Ty Washington. He's a 6'4", 247-pound tight end that played in five games for Arkansas last season with having one reception for 17 yards and one touchdown. And if you remember correctly, that was in our bowl game versus Kansas where you know, that was after Trey Knox decided to sit out and then ultimately enter the transfer portal. 
where Ty Washington stepped up and actually scored for Arkansas and kind of showed some flashes of what we might can expect this year. So he's a guy that, you know, I bet we could see a lot from this year, especially with the, that Dan Enos offense. Yeah, he's he's somebody that at least already has some chemistry previously with KJ um, and, and is familiar with Pittman and the whole crew. Obviously, it's going to be a kind of a newer offense that they're going to have to maybe forget some things and relearn some things. Um, but I, I definitely expect Ty Washington to be involved from the get-go, especially early on. Uh, I think there's a couple other guys we're going to mention here that are going to be instant impact type players that have gotten a ton of hype already. Um, but I really expect Ty Washington to kind of be in that tight end rotation where you've maybe got, you know, two, three, maybe four at most really solid guys that you kind of rotate in and out depending on your, on your set if you're kind of tight end heavy for run plays, things of that nature. But don't be surprised if there's two or three tight ends on the field and we're passing to them either. So, I mean, Dan Enos has had a lot of plays in his book when he was here previously that you'd have a lot of tight ends on the field and it would actually be like a shady bootleg play where one of those guys would actually get the look. So um, I'm excited to see how Enos uses these guys. And obviously I think Ty Washington is going to be someone that's going to have an impact early on. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's exciting to see. And like you mentioned, there's – not a faster hype train building up right now than the one that's for freshman Luke Haas. He is a guy that has been raved about in camp so far. He's a 6'3", 242-pound tight end that has, you know, that 242 he's been able to put on after enrolling early in January, getting a head start in the weight room and going through summer practice and workouts and everything. And when you just look at his high school number productions, he had 35 receptions for 597 yards for nine touchdowns. He rushed for one touchdown and also caught three two-point conversions in high school. And he's a guy that, you know, I've read, you know, numerous articles that talk about he has an incredible work ethic that just comes in every day, works hard, works to build that chemistry with KJ, and has also caught the eye of all the other tight ends as well as they've said, you know, they haven't seen such an impressive freshman tight end in a long time or almost ever. So I think that kind of shows you what we can expect. I've heard some people say he could be a freshman All-American this year and could have a lot of playing time and possibly start for Arkansas this year. So I, I think that's some high praise and, you know, that hype train is on full blast there. So, you know, he's a guy that I think we could see some big things out of this year. Yeah, I think it's kind of the perfect storm combination of him coming in a little bit early, getting some weight on him, and and really getting the most bang for his buck out of his time with Enos um, kind of from day one, with Dan Enos being more of a, a tight end utilizer than than a Kendall Browse was. I think it's kind of the, just the perfect scenario where Luke Costa is coming in as a freshman. He's not going to have to relearn an offense, forget an old offense to relearn a new one kind of situation. It's going to be – you know, Danny, Danny knows can take him from day one and kind of mold him into the tight end he wants him to be. And just from the things we've read and some of the interviews we've seen from some of these other tight ends where they were talking about Luke Haas and how much he's already, I mean, frankly, just kind of showing out in practice. Um, I think the potential is really there for him to be a standout SEC tight end. I mean, not Brock Bowers level, maybe not quite to that extent, but I mean, Brock Bowers, Hunter Henry, some of those big big time names like that really come to mind, and that that's what's getting tossed around with Luke Haas's name. So that is 
really exciting to see. I mean, I don't really know how else you can describe it other than that. And I, like I said, I, I really think it's just kind of the perfect matchup right now with Enos coming in and Luke Haas coming in with him having somebody to really develop over the next couple of years. And maybe it won't be year one, but you got to think at some point this guy's going to be a big impact player for Arkansas. Yeah, I can't agree more there. And, and like you said, that, that I think that hype train is going to just keep growing. And, you know, on that note, you know, take into account, you know, those first few games might not be crazy big numbers just because he is still a freshman. He will be acclimating to the college game that plays at a faster level than high school. But I think you look at middle of the season, near towards the end of the season, you could start seeing some big-time plays and big-time contributions from him. And another guy that we'll talk about here that could have some big-time contributions for, for Arkansas this season is redshirt sophomore Farkees Gums. The transfer from North Texas, that's 6'3", 242 pounds. He had 34 receptions for 458 yards and five touchdowns. He set the single-season records for tight end receptions and yards at North Texas. A guy that was a little back and forth on Arkansas, but ultimately decided on Arkansas. You know, another guy that has gotten some praise throughout camp and could be another key contributor, like Seth mentioned, you know, us running two to possibly three tight end sets. You know, we're going to need all these guys that are coming in, getting the practice in. And so he's another guy that also brings a little bit of experience as well. Being in college last season, maybe not to the SEC level, but understands the college game and was able to contribute at a decently high level by setting those records at North Texas. So he's another guy that I think there's some excitement around. Yeah, I completely agree with that take. And I think the the biggest thing about these these uh, three guys that we've mentioned so far is they're all athletic. They're very athletic tight ends. Um, it's not like we're we're running some big tubbies out there that can't run or anything of that nature. These guys can fly. Um, they're all big bodies, or at least fairly big bodies. I know we've got some some wide receivers that are kind of hybrid tight end bodies as well that we've talked about in the past. But these guys stack right up there as well. My my one, uh, I don't really want to say concern, but the one thing that I am curious to see how it plays out in conference play against, you know, these Alabama defenses, things like that, how well are these guys able to maintain their blocks, how well are they able to chip block, whatever they're asked to do. That's that's the thing we always get kind of hung up on, you know, how fast these guys are, how well they can catch, what their catch radius is, you know, their verticals, how, you know, can they go get those jump balls in the end zone, things like that. I think a lot of people forget that a critical role for a lot of these tight ends is hey can you run block how well can you run block you know or are you able to hold up against some really talented uh linebackers and defensive ends and and those kind of hybrid defensive end pass rush guys that a lot of uh these defenses in the sec have so i'm excited to see where i think that's going to have a key factor on who is really your day one starters Obviously, I think all these guys are athletic and can go catch a ball. I think a lot of the decision is probably going to come down to who can actually run block the best. Um, more to come there, obviously, but that's one thing I'm curious to see. I think we've got a ton of athletes. I just hope we can utilize them on, on both sides of the ball, the run game and the pass game. That, that, that's a good point because, you know, you know, if last season was any indicator that, you know, Pittman and Arkansas is going to want to focus on that run game. And why would you not when you got like guys like KJ and Rocket in the backfield that, you know, are super talented and have the ability to just, you know, if you give them the space, can hit that home run play for you. And so we'll go down through some of these other tight ends we've got as 
another guy is redshirt freshman Hunter Talley. He's a 6'4", 251-pound tight end that didn't record any stats from last year. He's a guy that came in last year, switched from quarterback to tight end, so a little bit of a transition guy. You know, he'll add some depth to this tight end room here. And then another guy to talk about is senior Francis Sherman, 6'3", 247. He's a transfer from Louisville who had one reception for 13 yards. Just another guy that is a depth guy for Arkansas that, you know, can come in and maybe give you some more of a blocking style tight end that is not asked to do a lot in the catching and passing game, but can give you those blocks for Rocket or KJ, whoever it may be. A few other guys here, freshman Maddox Lassiter. He's 6'3", 238. He is a preferred walk-on. That He play, also played multiple positions in high school. I believe he played quarterback, you know, a few defensive positions. So just another guy adding depth to this tight end room. You got freshman Luke Johnston, 6'5", 231. Another preferred walk-on that had 15 receptions for 141 yards and a touchdown in high school. So a little bit on the, the, the bigger size with being in that 6'5 range. And then another guy that has gotten a lot of attention coming out of high school, not a ton of, you know, reference in fall camp, but, you know, give him a little bit. And I think you'll start hearing his name more often is freshman Shamar Easter. He's 6'5", 223. He was the number one player in Arkansas coming out of high school and also the number six tight end nationally. He played both tight end and wide receiver in high school. So that gives you an idea. He's big, but he's also fast. And so I think he's a guy that can come in and contribute as well. So, you know, give us your thoughts here on Shamar Easter. Yeah, I mean, he's everybody raved about him in high school, man. And some of excuse me, some of his highlights from high school were pretty impressive. He just the size difference he had amongst a bunch of other high schoolers. I mean, he looked like a man amongst boys, um, kind of the case. But anyways, I. I'm excited to have him on the hill. I, I haven't heard a ton about him from training camp, kind of like you're saying, uh, fall camp. And uh, I, I think he's probably one of those guys that may be a little bit behind the curve compared to like Luke Haas. He came in in the summer, not early enrollee. So maybe he has a little bit of ground to make up from a uh, learning the playbook, just kind of understanding the ins and outs of the the style of offense Enos wants to play. But don't be surprised if he improves by leaps and bounds. I mean, all the intangibles there, like you said, he's big, he's tall. He's fast. Um, he's versatile as far as tight end slash wide receiver goes. So you can line him up multiple different places if you need to. Um, I think the biggest thing is he just adds more depth. I mean, more talented depth, especially. I think that's that's one thing that's been such kind of an eye opener this, in this year's team compared to maybe some teams in the past is at some of these positions where we maybe only had like one or two really talented guys on the roster um, at that position group. It seems like this year we've got more than that at almost every position. We've covered a few so far between quarterbacks. We've definitely got more than just KJ now. I mean, I think Jacoby Crisfield, from what I've heard, has really solidified himself as the number two quarterback and that there's not much of a step down if he has to play, if KJ's hurt, that the offense is still going to click well with him in. Um, that's a great example. Obviously, our running back room is loaded. Um, wide receivers are extremely deep. Some un some unknowns there and then kind of the tight end rooms is the same example there's a few unknowns but there's a lot of guys here that are known for their athleticism um their speed things like that so i i think the depth 
the the talent level across your entire depth chart is is better than we've had it in years past, and I think that's going to do nothing but good things for the Hogs, especially if we unfortunately you know maybe find ourselves with an injury bug off and on this year. You've got guys you can turn to that that really do have the potential and step up and be that next man. I think Shamar Easter is a prime example of somebody that could kind of be that situation. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think one thing you've got to consider too, you know, when you're thinking about Shamar Easter and guys like this, you know, a callback to a previous episode, if you remember for the returning listeners, you know, when we had our interview with Drew Morgan, he actually mentioned going up against Shamar Easter in seven on seven. And, you know, being an Arkansas guy, Razorback, you know, he really, and with Shamar being a commit, he 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 mentioned he really wanted to see what this kid was all about and kind of essentially measure him up and see. And he said, sure enough, he's the real deal. He's got the size, the speed to be another great tight end here at Arkansas. And so that's coming from a former Arkansas player that he knows what he's talking about, had a stint in the pros. So you really, and is currently coaching. So, you know, he really knows what he's talking about. And that, that I think that it can just give you even more confidence in what he can do once he develops and picks up this playbook. Another guy that we'll talk about here is redshirt senior, Nathan Bax coming back, I believe with his COVID year, he's 6'4", 250. Last year he had two receptions for five yards. Another guy that has gotten a few raves about in camp, you know, another guy that he'll be some more depth issues or add to our depth here and, could add in some run blocking and, you know, maybe he's taking a step forward in his development with Dan Enos and will be a more contributing factor in the passing game. We'll just have to see, but, you know, I kind of, you know, really like where our tight end room is sitting at so far this season. Yeah, I do too. I, I think Nathan Bax will actually get quite a bit of playing time. Um, whether it just be kind of as that, two or three tight end set, he comes in there to kind of be an extra lineman, essentially. I think that's a lot of what he did last year for us. I, I would expect to see some more of that this year with maybe a few um, plays going his way. Um, but overall, like you said, the whole tight end room as a whole, I think there's so much potential here, especially with guys like Luke Haas that I, they're already making monstrous waves. And he's a freshman. I mean, he's he's a big freshman. So kind of following the theme of, of some of the players that we've received commitments from or had come in already that are a little bit ahead of the curve just from the body size and their development physically. Um, so that's, that's always a good thing to see, but from top to bottom, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of competition level here. Um, I think you've got four, maybe five guys that, that really do have a shot to kind of play significant snaps, um, whether it be in pass protection or pass catching, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm excited to see how Dan Enos uses them. I mean, I don't really know how else to put it other than that. I think we're just going to have to kind of wait and see how often they utilize the tight end position. I think it's a position that KJ could really lean on, especially if there's some uncertainty early on with the wide receivers. I think there's a couple of tight ends here he could really maybe connect with if maybe some of those connections don't develop as early with the wide receivers as we may want. But there's options everywhere. I mean, you've got A.J. Green in the backfield that's – a hybrid you know slot receiver nearly you know with his speed and catching ability so there's going to be guys that KJ can throw to even if the wide receiver room is a little bit shaky at first so it's exciting to have that that level of options and talent and some kind of hype level guys that you're already hearing about from fall camp so this 
it's a great position to be in. And it's always exciting early season to, you know, to kind of what if, but I think there's a couple guys on this list that could really be the next Hunter Henry type player for us. Yeah, that's very true. And and I think for me, it's just getting, getting excited to get back to that traditional, you know, in a sense, ground and pound Arkansas offense that can also utilize tight ends very well. And, you know, we've got the personnel to do it. You know, I feel like, you know, we've said it, you know, numerous times, almost like, you know, episode day in and day out. KJ is clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Some people are underrating him and, you know, sure, let them go ahead and do it and find out what he's all about. You know, this year could be a big year just for Arkansas and this entire offense. You know, if our, you know, we solidify our starting for receivers, you know, like, like we just said, this tight talent in this tight end room here that four or five guys can contribute. I think that's good sign for, for the direction of this program, what Sam Pittman could do at Arkansas this year. And so, We'll continue with our breakdowns next week and we'll let you know where we're going next week. And before we jump into some Arkansas basketball news and cover their rest of their European tour, we'll take a quick ad break here and we'll be right back. You know what I like? I like to be comfortable. I also love representing my favorite sports teams. And in the clutch, I am able to have the best of both worlds. In the Clutch Apparel is your one-stop shop for all things sports. They have officially licensed gear from all your favorite teams and players from the NHL, MLB, NFL, and more. They have sports classic tees from yesteryear and beyond. Check out their full website in the link down below. When you enter the promo code Variety Sports, you get 10% off everything site-wise. Feel comfortable with your sports apparel and go over to their website now at intheclutch.com. And don't forget to use our code Variety Sports to get 10% off. And we are back now from our quick break here, and we'll talk Arkansas women's basketball, where they, you know, finished up their European tour here with two additional games, where in game two versus another Croatian team, they got the win 71 to 49, where Jersey Wolfenbarger had 13.6 rebounds and two steals. And then game three, they went over to Greece where they played the University of Regina in Greece, got the win there 161 where Sasha Goforth had 13 points where she went six of six for shooting and had two blocks. You know, that's a name. If that sounds familiar, she's a player that came to Arkansas, kind of had some medical issues and had to sit out, but, you know, is healthy enough to be back for Arkansas this year. Exciting things going on for coach neighbors and this Arkansas women's basketball team. And not to mention, while they're over in Europe, they got a commitment from a player in the 2024 class, a 5'9 guard, that is from Holland in Europe. So, you know, going over there and picking a commitment over there just makes those wins and everything so much better. You know, she's a player that averaged 15 points with 2.4 assists in the European Championships earlier this summer. So getting some talent, not just in Arkansas, but worldwide here so you know give us your thoughts here seth yeah uh her name's phoenix stock stockton i believe it is so that's that's going to be a fun one to pronounce i'm going to get tongue-tied on that a ton next year uh but anyways i thought that was a pretty cool pickup getting somebody from holland i think that'll uh have a lot of uh social media story potential things like that it'll be kind of 
I'll be interested to see if she becomes kind of one of those fan favorite type players just due to where she's from. Um, so that's really cool. Obviously, it's good to get a couple couple more wins during that European tour, all of them being convincing wins, especially game one of that European tour. I mean, mercy. Uh, but anyway, so the, the offense so far looks like it's clicking. Granted, nobody really knows what the competition level was like. But it's always a good thing to have those those girls build their confidence early, see the ball go through, and just kind of start building that offensive chemistry. Um, so nothing but exciting things coming from Coach Neighbors, like you said. Yeah, I think there's some hype for this program. You know, of course, SEC is always going to be a gauntlet when you've got South Carolina and LSU, you know, two of the top-tier programs in women's basketball from last season and, you know, programs that have been built up. So, you know, all we can hope to do is compete with those programs and hopefully, you know, give them give the conference a run for our for their money with you know what we can do and see some improvement from last year that's all you can ask for so now we'll jump over, yep and so we'll jump over to some arkansas soccer where arkansas had their final exhibition game against siue where arkansas want took this match six to zero where you had patricia sogos with the first goal at the 40 minute mark and then you also had freshman Bellafield and Talia Spain with two additional goals that were the three freshmen that scored. And then you had returnees forwards, soft Sophia Aragon, Anna Potagio and Ava Tankersley with the other three goals for Arkansas. So I think it's safe to say this is going to be an exciting Arkansas team to watch this year. Um, if you just look at it for the SEC preseason watch list, Arkansas has several players on that list. You've got forward Kylie Delaney, midfielder Bay Franklin, midfielder Ellie Potagio, midfielder Mackenzie Malum, forward Anna Potagio, and forward Ava Tankersley. And yes, we do have a set of sisters on this team that, you know, I think that makes this even more exciting to watch that this is a, not only a, a fun Razorback team, but also a family affair going on with the, this Arkansas team. So they are picked finished to finish first in the SEC this season. So, you know, what are your thoughts here, Seth? And, and you know, I know you mentioned it last week, ready to become a big-time soccer fan for Arkansas. Yeah, it's awesome to be a pick finish first, but I think that comes with a lot of pressure as well. So I'm excited to see how well they're able to kind of handle that pressure and if they're able to perform to the expectations that are placed upon them. So that's going to be kind of a big, big story to watch as the year goes on. And then obviously, like you said, the uh, the sisters that are playing together, that's that's kind of a cool thing. We've seen that on football occasions, I think. Uh, we had obviously the Morgan brothers. I don't remember if they crossed Henry over, brothers. but one year. Say that again. The Henry brothers. Yep, the Henry brothers, obviously the Allen brothers. So there's kind of been some cool stories like that throughout the years. So, you know, they played together as kids and they've got a ton of chemistry playing together so that only bodes well for the hogs so that's really cool to see as well but i'm excited to kind of get into it and see if kind of if they perform to the expectation level that's placed on them man that's that's really what i'm looking to see if they can finish first in the sec that's going to be awesome yeah it's definitely going to be big time and you know if history's an indicator of this arkansas team you know it's traditionally year in and year out really good so their first match is coming up Tomorrow at seven o'clock, we'll, we'll we'll recap that again near the end of the show. But you know, if you don't have anything going on tomorrow, go catch the soccer first soccer match of the season that actually counts towards the record. So, 
we'll jump over now as we are finishing up here with some Arkansas baseball news with some a former player, you know, a guest, a friend of the show that we've had on before, Kevin Copps. He has been promoted to the AAA El Paso Chihuahuas of the Padres organization. So he's just one step closer there to the big leagues. You know, he's right there. You know, this was, this is his final stop before and hopefully when he gets called up to the majors, but he finished this se- his season so far in AA this year with a 2.63 ERA with 67 strikeouts and 54 and two-thirds innings pitched. And then a really key thing that I think really had to do with him getting called up was since July 1st, he had an ERA of 0.0 in 14 innings pitched with 17 strikeouts and three saves. Are those incredible numbers or what, Seth? Ah, dude, you can't get any better as a pitcher. I mean, it's it's unreal having 17 strikeouts across 14 innings and then allowing zero runs. Um, it's just nuts. I mean, the tacking on the three saves is just icing on the cake. But um, I, I think uh, I don't I don't think this comes as a surprise to any Hog fans with how good Kevin was in his uh, senior season. I mean, golly, we just kind of rode him. He uh, really carried us that year, frankly. And uh, I think there was some speculation that maybe he was too old to really make it in the minors all the way up to the majors. I think there was some people kind of doubting he'd even make it to triple A just from his age and things of that nature. But we've had him on the show. Uh, the the guy's work ethic is is kind of on a different level, frankly. So I I am not surprised to see him rise up the rankings of the minors so fast at all. I mean, I, I think most of us hog fans kind of knew it was going to happen, frankly. So it's exciting to see that. And, and like you said, I think that run since July has really kind of propelled him. He's had a great month and a half. Um, he's just, he's such a likable guy, such a great pitcher. He's got some really great swing and miss pitches. Um, he's just fun to watch. There's really all you can say about him. And uh, the cool thing is he's able to stay in Texas. I think he was playing with San Antonio their double a affiliate so not having to move too far to go play for the chihuahua so that's kind of cool to see as well i think he's got some family down in texas so that's a good thing they'll probably be able to still come to some of his games off and on so hopefully he'll still be able to have a pretty good support group and make that jump to the to the majors man it's i know everybody's going to be celebrating when that happens i'm sure it's going to happen at some point especially if there's a an injury or anything like that with the padres he's going to get called up quick yeah, and I think you, you said it, you know, being Hog fans, we all knew know what the talent was, and I think for us Hog fans, it wasn't a matter of if, just when he was going to make it, make that jump and make this progress. You know, he's it's only been, what, a couple seasons since he's been at Arkansas that, you know, and just that quickly is already up to AAA ball right there on the cusp of making his, making it to the show, so you know, we wish him the best of luck. You know, if you get a chance, go check out our interview we did with him. Really cool guy, really down to earth, really, you know, helps you understand what he goes through as an athlete and, you know, how he dealt with injury. And, you know, it's a great story. So if you get a chance, go check out that episode we have. And so we'll jump over to some upcoming events as we're wrapping up here. We've got Arkansas women's soccer versus Arkansas State tomorrow so starting off the season with an in-state matchup at 6 p.m so you know go check it out it's i think it's going to be an exciting beginning uh to the season you know and not only that but also with an in-state opponent that'll be 
some exciting things. And then you've got Arkansas women's volleyball getting ready to kick off as they have an exhibition versus Missouri State on August 19th at 2 p.m. And then Arkansas soccer will have their second game of the year versus Oregon at 6.30 p.m. on August 24th next week. So go check out all these Arkansas events you can, you know, get to if you don't have anything going on. And, you know, we're just barely over two weeks away from football season being here and we're getting ever closer and it's getting so exciting. And, you know, I think there's a lot of buzz around the state for, you know, what the football season could hold. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, man. The, the, uh, the potential for this year is just off the charts. I mean, potential both ways, realistically, I think there's a lot of unknowns. I I mean, I don't want to sit here and call games or anything like that, but I think six and six really is the floor. I think if we have just a fallout year and go anything less than six and six, that's definitely a disappointment. I think the ceiling is very likely 10 and two with you got some coin tosses in there. It could be even better than that, just depending on how things shake out. But anywhere between six and six, 10 and two, I think it really could be a great year. I think this is the, we've talked about it before. I think this is the year that we really got the best chance to beat Alabama, which would be amazing kind of right here before the, uh, the conference games, all take a huge shift in who we play each year in 2024. We don't play Alabama in 2024. So it'd be really, really nice to go out with a win in our uh, <laughs> string of consecutive losses we've had since 2007. <laughs> but anyways, it's going to be an exciting year. Um, things are starting to take an uptick, man. You're starting to see some events happen. And like you said, we're, we're a little over two weeks away from football. And then, man, things are going to start coming at you fast after that. So y'all stick with us. Yeah, very true. So, you know, don't forget to go like and subscribe to our new YouTube channel that we're, we're pumping out the content. We've got some exciting, thing, exciting things planned for you guys you won't want to miss. So make sure you hit subscribe so you know when those come out. You know, also don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You know, you can find us anywhere where Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon, you know, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can most likely find us. And now easily more accessible with our YouTube channel where we're putting out more content and we're going to have some exciting things, like I said, coming for you guys. So, you know, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Woolpick Weekly and we'll catch you right back here next week.